Welcome to Spirit Radio. I am your host, Willie Hassel. Along with my co-host, Lynn Nickerson, we will take you on a journey, a journey into the unknown where the paranormal becomes the normal, a journey to a world cloaked in darkness where reality becomes a thin veil. So sit back, relax, and join us as we venture into the shadows, the darkness, the unknown, and back. Good evening once again and welcome to Spirit Radio, the Paranormal Experience. I'm Willie Hassel along with the lovely, the mystical, the mysterious Lynn Nickerson. But right at the moment she is getting our guests on the phone, so she will be sitting down very shortly to say good evening. <laughs> on this cold, chilly, good evening, good evening, how are you? Of you are. Hey, Good that's evening. a whole How lot you? better. <laughs> How are you doing um, tonight? Thawing out. Thawing out. I I'm know, not adjusting a, to this. Yeah, it's a chilly one. I don't like it one Deep freeze. bit. I hope the whole winter isn't going to be like this. Uh, it's not going to be like this. It's going to be worse. <laughs> so there. Yeah. And I cheerful tonight, huh? Uh, okay. All right. Hey, guess We've what? We've got some great guests we on have, hold. We have two guests tonight on the show. And they, together, they are the co-authors of the book, More Ghost Chronicles, Stories from the Realm of the Unknown, the Unexplained, and the Unbelievable. We have on the line Maureen Wood, who is a fifth-generation psychic trance medium and is currently the lead psychic medium for the New England Ghost Project. And we also have New England's own Van Helsing. Yes, we do. Ron Kolick. And uh, Ron is the founder and lead investigator for the New England Ghost Project, and he also is the, the host of Ghost Chronicles and Ghost Chronicles International. And we are happy to have them both joining us tonight. Good evening, Ron and Maureen. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hi, good. 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 Welcome, how are you? Ron. Hi, how are you? Hi, Ron. Good <laughs> evening. Welcome to the show. Well. Good. We're having a real difficult time hearing you guys. Oh, no. Truly? Yes. Is that a little bit better? That's got to be a little better. That's all we got. Okay. Yes, it's better. Okay. It is better. It's okay. It's better for me. Okay. okay. Um, I'll be doc- talking directly into the mic. So this is what, your second book together? Third. Is your third one together? Yes. Okay. Oh, it's, that's yeah, great. Yeah, second in the Ghost Chronicles series. Okay. 
Okay, well, Maureen, I'm going to direct one question to you first. Um, I think it's really interesting what you do, and I don't think everybody knows what it is that you do. They don't know what a trans medium is. Can you hear me? (laughs) I I can, yeah. Okay, so could you explain to the audience what it is you do exactly every time you go out on an investigation, if you have any luck? Yeah, it's kind of tough. Um, it's I wouldn't say it's every time um, we had gone out on investigations. I would say that, um, you know, it depends. Every time is different. So if you have a time where um, a, the entity is really strong and, the you know, the spirit's trying to communicate and I'm in a place, let's say, health-wise, that I'm going to let them in, um, generally I try to, you know, my thoughts are if a spirit is stressed out and, you know, they're not able to let go, um, or they can't, you know, they, they haven't been able to voice what they need to voice. Um, it's allow, allowing them to come through me in a way to let it out, right? So, I mean, sometimes it's really not pretty, as Ron could attest to, I'm sure. You always um, look beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's not always, you know, really. I would say, someone said to me the other day, you know, I just don't understand that, Maureen. I just don't understand why you do that. And I think it's important just tell you, you know, sometimes I think, what am I doing? I'm crazy. But on other times, you know, my thoughts, Lynn, is if you're having a really bad day um, and you voice, your, you know, your anger, your angst, and you let it out, how do you feel? Much better. Better, right? You feel lighter. So I've always thought, you know, if I'm doing them, uh, you know. Yeah, service. Or, you're doing them a service. Solid. Thanks, Ron. <laughs> but it's. Letting them, let's say, get something off their backs, you know, if they had one. Yeah, because in that realm, I'm sure they have a hard time trying to communicate with us living, you know, that they're still in the body. So I really think that you do offer them a service. Yes, I I hope that that's the case. And, you know, who knows? Someday I'll find out and they'll probably be yelling and screaming at me for not letting them (laughs) sleep longer. I don't know. Well, but some of them, some have put you in some really precarious positions. And when that happens, um, well, we can get into the Pukwudgie situation in a minute, but there are times when you're totally (laughs) taken over and you do fight it then, don't you? Um, When you have that ominous feeling? Yeah, there's times when, you know, at first when Ron and I started working together many years ago, it really, um, it was a balancing act, I think. And, you know, Ron would, you know, get concerned for my welfare, Mm -hmm. um, and he would bring me back, you know, quicker, let's say, than um, I would like him to, would have liked him to. Because what happens is, I know it looks really bad sometimes when I'm channeling, I understand that, but in my my mind, I'm actually communicating, yeah. and it's almost like trying to find out what's going on and talking to them, and and if it gets cut off too soon, then we went through the whole, you know, channeling for nothing, right? Yeah. So, in trying to either help them or get information um, and communicate, and Ron, you know, we've worked together so long that, you know, he just knows, and he could speak to it, I think, better, because he'll know the time when it's, say, enough to break it. Well, Ron, then let me ask you, um... You you tell it whatever the entity is to get out to leave her body that it's not your own. Do you find that you have really good success in demanding it to leave? Right. Yeah. Well, she's still there, isn't she? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of a struggle you go through under those circumstances. 
uh, you know, I haven't lost it yet. So, uh, yeah, it works. I mean, that's after all, this is our realm, not theirs. And right. So that's kind of what it's all about. Okay, well, sometimes you use the holy water and sage. To who, so who blesses that? Who blesses the holy water? Is it from the priest? The priest, of course. The it's, priest? It's, yeah, of course. Well, you say, of course, because sometimes there are a lot of, well, shamans or mediums or people who are really uh, spiritually evolved, I'll say, and they bless their own water. And I was wondering if you did that, but I think it's no. it's like double armor if you have a priest do it. So you have it blessed by the priest, and then you make your own special blend. Uh, pretty much. And then you yeah. add the sage. Okay. All right, um, so we'll go ahead. Yeah, I was just, uh, Maureen, I was just, I was wondering, when you're like, I don't know what you would call it, really deep into uh, channeling, do you actually, do you realize what's going on, or are you just kind of a conduit? That's a good question, and it depends, and I hate to be so big, but yeah. it's depending on how strong the entity is and how intense the energy is, sometimes... You know, I don't even recall what's going on. I do at first, but then sometimes I've said and done things that I don't remember. And Ron will, mm. you know, in fact, when we were writing the book, we really sat down and, you know, we were diligent. And Ron was adamant about, hey, let's, we have to go through the video and make sure in the audio and, and make sure that we get it exact. And then there's times when Ron would actually, in the book, write his viewpoint because I couldn't remember. You know, oh. I sat there and thought, oh, I don't even remember what I said. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's good you've got that so, check system. Yeah, so it, it depends on the situation then. I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because I was wondering at what point, it, it, at one point, if uh, someone was taking notes, like how do you remember the sequence of stuff? But you've got the guys doing the videography the whole time anyway, right? Ron? Yeah, well, we did the original Ghost Chronicles radio for a ghost village uh, we always uh, carried a, a digital recorder, so everything was recorded anyway. Oh, so, good, yeah, good. But we do have other people that, that you know, do take uh, audio and video. So, yeah, we always have records of what we do. And uh, when we write the book, we're true to what really happened. <laughs> so a lot of times, once you get farther and farther away from the incident, uh, then y your own... Uh, Recollection is, isn't as good as yeah. what really happened. We wind up getting kind of foggy. Okay, so let's talk about your um, uh, trip to the Bridgewater Triangle. To What is it, Assinet? Is that how you pronounce it, Assinet, Massachusetts? Uh, you're not asking me how to pronounce anything, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> well, that's okay. I just want to get to say the word Pudgewucky. Uh, Just because I love the word Pudgewucky. You keep saying it wrong, Willie. But that's okay. We know what oh, you're talking whatever about. whatever it is. <laughs> whatever you want. That's right. It's, I'm but, right. But, Ron, when you assembled this group together and you told Maureen we're going to go for a hike in the woods in the swamp in the middle of the night, um, did you make it clear I to her? It all fit as it was in the middle of the night. We well, it was dark. It off in the daytime. It ended, oh. ended up in the night. <laughs> um, did you let her know what she was in for? No, we she, we keep her pretty much in the dark. In the dark, as, as much as we can, because we don't want to influence any results uh, that she does. Yeah. Uh, 
So okay. Great relationship, huh, Lynn? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just follow me out into the dark woods. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. Okay, so are those trails marked well? Hell no. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, I thought it was just really kind of labyrinthian, and I, people get lost. That's part of the Pukwudgie uh, legend, is that the Pukwudgies will misguide you and lead you into the woods uh, yeah. where they can uh, set upon you. Yeah, the same way with the Wool of the Wisp, and I sometimes wonder if it's the same thing. Okay, so you were going there to verify the existence of the Pukwudgie? No, we actually were going there at the request of uh, Chris Bozano, who was writing a uh, a book called uh, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunted, mm-hmm. and he had various groups in the in the uh, book, and he wanted someone, uh, a team that could, uh, how they operated in the outdoors, and uh, he asked me to do that, and that's how we get involved in it. Okay, but you really weren't going for a ghost, were you? <laughs> we, were <not. laughs> we were going to basically to, uh, you know, yeah, just check it out. Techniques or demonstrate our techniques, and that's basically it. Okay. So, Maureen, did you have a feeling of dread before going while you were, you know, en route? Yeah, anytime she goes with me, she has a feeling of dread. <laughs> 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 Good point. Um, actually, you know, we, we when we go, obviously, it's camaraderie too, right? Because you're with the team, you're with the group, so, you know... I, I don't know. I guess there was a little bit of, geez, you know, excitement, anticipation. What are we doing? Um, and then when we got there and, you know, when we did get there, and I think it was, you know, we introduced to everybody there and they had the camera and there was Chris Belzano and, and everybody. And, you know, I said, Pukwudgie? And I'm thinking, oh, come on, Pukwudgie? Seriously? <laughs> you know, um, like an elemental? Or I'm like, you know, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking it's a good time, good time for a hike in the woods. Um, not so much. So after going through that and having the experiences that we had that night, I thought, wow, you know, that's a learning lesson for me, just to be very cautious sometimes and not, you know, you, I guess you don't know what you don't know. That's right. The hard way. That's right. So I know you want people to read your book, but we have to talk, talk about a couple of these stories. And this one is just so extraordinarily different than just your plain old ghost hunting. So you're walking along, and you're starting to get a feeling that there's something following you guys and watching you guys? In reality, I think it was more thermal. Yeah. Dan that picked it up on, on the thermal imager. Eventually, he was, yeah. Was picking up a shadow that was and, uh, dogging us in the woods. And did he yeah, see... We were, we were talking about it. We were, we were saying that we... I think everybody was getting a sense um, while we're walking that it did feel like we were being watched. Only because we were freaking um, lost. Yeah, because you're being well, watched. Oh, well, that was part of it. But, um, but yeah, so it, it did, Thermal Dan did absolutely pick it up on the uh, thermal imager. So that and, was a big part of it. But, yeah, that we all had that sense of foreboding as we were walking. And who knows if it was just because it was, you know, dark. We were lost walking around. We weren't sure where we were going. That didn't help. Um, in reality, though, it wasn't like we, it was a dreary situation. We were pretty right. much joking around. It was pretty <laughs> yeah. light. Uh, we weren't really concerned too much about anything at, at that time. Okay, Ron. So it showed up. Yeah. <laughs> but what did Thermal Dan catch on his screen? Did he well, describe he, it to you? Uh, Thermal Dan, Dan, in fact, my book is dedicated to, to him because he passed away uh, two years ago. Oh. Uh, 
young guy. Uh, he was a, a, a uh, firefighter, assistant fire, uh, yeah, chief. So, but anyways, he had a, a, a very good thermal imager. Uh, at, at the time, I think it was somewhere around twenty thousand dollars for the stupid thing, <laughs> and uh, he picked up uh, shadows that were there, and then always just like. Uh, fleeting, like they were there and then not there, then there and not there. Were there shadows that were kind of like the size of a three-foot-tall person? No, they weren't really, they were more motion things than he could, you know, he couldn't put like, there's something there, basically, is what he told us. uh, uh, Okay, so Maureen, your first clue was that you started getting disoriented? And then you bent um, over well, and... Well, basically, I could feel this. I could actually feel something coming at us, and it felt like just... I can't, it's hard to even explain, but it was like rushing at us. But at the same time, <sighs> Thermal Dan had picked up the thermal camera with, um, you know, with clay, and they were looking at it, and they could see almost this image or a face. Um, and I know that Ron had actually said that... Um, well, they were saying it looked like the scream figure or that scream from the Oh, movie. really? Um, yeah, and it was coming from the woods and was coming, you know, toward us. But within a few moments, I could feel something literally like, jump in me. Um, and it, I just, at that moment, it was very intense. Um, and honestly, that's one of the times I don't even recall half of what took place while we were there. Yep. So exactly what did you feel that you remember? It, it happened twice during this hike. The second right. time, you really had a recall of feeling like an animal, didn't you? Yeah, that one, the second time, the first time, I, I ended up kind of coming out of it and wrestling with Ron on, on the ground. <laughs> Your salvation. That wasn't, yeah, that was a little crazy. And then, you know, we went walking. We all met up and went down to where the, the water's edge, and there was a big ledge above us that, um, I, I guess, Ron, you can probably tell it better, but there were people had have jumped to the death from there. Is that correct or no? Oh. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, they would go there in a good mood, and that's part of the yeah. legend that, that they would, I mean, it's, it's a legend. How much it's based on fact, you really don't know. I mean, it's just. Okay, but the legend is that the Pugwudgies lured them to jump to their death? Exactly. Okay. Right. Um, And basically, we were all kind of looking out. You know, actually, if I recall, there were people that were up on that ledge where, I don't know if they were partying or you could hear yelling and screaming. And so we were all, you know, like in trance, like, ooh, like, what's going on? And as we were getting closer to the water's edge, I started feeling um, this strange entity you know around me and i couldn't place what the feeling was because it wasn't anything i had really felt before you know it definitely felt different than like you know a spirit or you know to me there's like a signature with a spirit and right it's totally different um so it wasn't and, like the one that you just felt a little while ago well no it was the one yeah that same night but it was different than what i've typically experienced so that night was unique on its own um but Ooh. it just kind of took me, you know, took me over um, with everything going on. Ron could kind of tell me, tell you better what happened with that. I recall after what happened, I remember getting tackled like a sack of potatoes. Um, (laughs) You were. (laughs) And I kind of come out of it and it was, you know, Chris Balzano had his arms wrapped around my legs and Ron was 
you know, trying to to yell and get this thing out of me, and it just it felt like it kind of happened all at once, but I don't even know how long it took before um, I was able to kind of, you know, with the help of Ron, get it out. Ron, how long did it take you to get her settled down uh, to you, make it you leave? Never know. It's, it's like one of those things you can't tell time when things are going on. Your brain actually... Uh, messes up on you. Yeah. Time is so relative, for instance. Uh, the thing is, like, you, you know, it seemed like hours or, or it seemed like really quick. It all depends on your perspective your, your, and, yeah, mindset at the time. There's certain uh, adrenaline uh, that kicks in that actually makes time slow down, and other times it, it makes it speed up. So it, it's it's difficult to, uh, while you're doing it, to, okay. you know, understand that you could this video out there so you can see how long it took okay then how yeah i gotta watch that video mm. um but but i will tell you that right after just so you know basically when we you know everything was said and done i was a little even creeped out because i had this this sounds a little odd i know but it felt like i just wanted to climb this tree my mouth tasted like i had um i could Blood. taste copper you know, yep. like when you bite your tongue mm-hmm. and you have that metallic taste in your mouth. Yeah. Um, so I kept thinking I must be bleeding, you know, like did I bite my tongue when, when this all happened and I'm putting my hand at my mouth and I'm, you know, there was nothing. I had no blood. There was no no accounting for the, the taste of blood that was in my mouth. So that mm. was pretty odd. And I had that the really like a incessant feeling of just chaos and running and just trying to, to run up the street. I thought, okay, this is really bizarre. Um, and it didn't last long, but I, you know, I know that within a few moments after that, we kind of all looked at each other and it was like, okay, this, I think it's time we need to, <laughs> you know, need to leave. Like, it's yeah, time to go. So Ron, get, let us, um, give us an idea of what Maureen was doing when she was under at that time and you were trying to get it to come out. I'm not quite sure what the question is. What was Maureen doing? There's a mention that she growled and she was... She felt like she had right. claws, and right, basically, it just you, you just command the spirit to get there. But she attacked know. you, didn't she? And growled. Yeah, well, I, I more like attacked her. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she was getting out of hand, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's most of the time, but uh, the spirits, whenever she's transchilling, uh, for the most part, there I think there was general Bogart would probably be the the only exception I can remember, is that most of the spirits will just back away from me for some reason at all. I have no clues why that happens, uh, which can be safety concerns depending where where she is trans-channeling. Um, but, yeah, they, they tend to back away from me for some reason. I don't know if because I'm living or what the, the story is, but mm. uh, they do. And then basically it's just... Uh, a combination of uh, commanding them to leave and, and getting Maureen to reclaim her body. It's it's fairly simple, actually. Yeah, but I was just wondering, what did you witness while she was under? What did I witness? Yeah, as far as, you know, her, her face, her eyes. Did her face change? Uh, actually, I couldn't see her face because her face was below me. Uh, she was hissing and growling and everything else. Uh, hissing, I that's all. I her in a full Nelson, so it's not like I could see her, so. No, oh. I didn't see anything, really. And Maureen, not you said... face or anything. You said you felt like you had claws. Maureen? 
Yeah, well, I, I could feel myself, like, again, wanting to skitter, like, run up this tree, and it's just <laughs> this really odd, you know. That's, sensation, that's yeah. typical what I want to do, right? <laughs> no. So it was, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it just was a very strange sensation to me, and it really um, unnerved me, to say the least. So when you were walking, Chris led you to his Jeep, right? But the rest of them went the other way around to the other vehicle or vehicles. Um, you still felt pursued by this thing. How did you know that you were going to be able to break it off, to break that connection so that it wouldn't follow you home? Well, I think a lot has to do with just one, um, you know, I did have bring some protection, but I think getting away from that area was the biggest piece of it. That was it, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think, like, it, this. in this instance, it was. I was so much worried it would come with us. I just really felt it was kind of in that area. Okay, and we're getting really close to the bottom of the hour, but I think we've got enough time for this. Um, I wanted to cover... When I think it was, uh, was it Chris or Thermal Dan? Uh, Clay. It was Clay, I think, that saw the people up on the ledge. And then he mentioned he thought they were Native Americans and he thought he saw horses. And then shortly after that, you mentioned you thought you were near a time slip. And that was when you were standing by the lake looking at the ledge. Do you think it was a time slip situation? Do you think they were Native Americans? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I can't say for sure. I think that um, we were picking up and having a lot of uh, interesting occurrences. And I think there was something that a reference to him seeing, like looking in the yeah, camera. It, and it, the it, more, more or less the trees look like Native Americans. Yeah. Yeah. The like trees? Native Americans. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. So um, they never got anything on video when they pointed up there? Oh, yeah. They got the the shadows, the trees, looking like Native Americans. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, but I thought there were actually real people up there too. So I guess there I'm, were there real was, people. There was, oh, there were. Yeah, there was. Right, but they were just regular people, nothing supernatural or anything else. Do you think there was something like a blending of dimensions going on? Marie says that, I, I, but there, that wasn't anything. Uh, I. He couldn't. We couldn't validate it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was more of an impression, or yeah, that's that's a good point, Murray. That's a very good choice of words. Impression it was more of an impression. Okay, but that place is just supposed to be so strange. There's just so many different reports of that the Bermuda Triangle. No, the other triangle. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, uh, <laughs> the bridge yeah, Bridgewater. <laughs> they both start with B, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Maureen, how do you feel about going back? Oh, please, no, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> Been there, uh, done that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you that I still have to see that on TV occasionally, and um, let's just say I'm surprised I'm still married because of it. Really? Like, <laughs> he must have been well, worried for you. Well, he he was, you know, I kept saying, it's like, oh, the Bridgewater Triangle, and I guess it must have come up on TV that he was looking at it, um, and he kept saying, come over here, look at this, Maureen, you know, I think it's on TV, and I'm like, oh, no, you know, because he had never seen it, and they showed the video, and um, I said, oh, don't worry, they won't say my name, because there was one version, they didn't say my name, and then about five minutes later, they came back from commercial, 
And he, they said, in Maureen Wood, and I saw the look on his face, and I'm like, oh, no. Uh, Oops. And, <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to know. <laughs> uh, have you have friends come up to you about it? Um, you know, I've had people mention it. Ron would show it when he was teaching classes. So I've had people come to me saying, oh, my God, Maureen, that's horrible. You look horrible. I'm like, oh, thank oh, you. Thank and there's, you. Yeah. yeah, and there's another reason why I I just don't like seeing myself channel. I, I try to avoid it at all costs. I, it's got to uh, be disturbing. Yeah, I can't blame you for that. Jeez, it's yeah. got to be disturbing. It's very disturbing. But we are at the bottom of the hour. Yes, we are. So we're talking to Maureen Wood and Ron Kolick, and their latest book is More Ghost Chronicles. And we're going to be back in just a minute, so please don't go away. Supernatural Magazine, one of the UK's top paranormal magazines, provides support to Spirit Radio, the paranormal experience. It is the magazine's goal to bring every aspect of supernatural news and research from around the world under one roof to create a universal platform for all those interested in the supernatural. More information is available at supernaturalmagazine.com. And you are listening to Spirit Radio, the Paranormal Experience on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. Along the long road, on down the causeway, do they still be there by the coast? And you are tuned to WSCA 106.1 FM in Portsmouth, Spirit Radio. And tonight we are talking to Ron Kolick and Maureen Wood. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so our next story, I was hoping to touch on Turtle Mound. Um, I hope you've both reviewed this now. (laughs) (laughs) You did your homework, didn't you? (laughs) That is a fascinating story. I love stone structures, particularly like these megalithic ones. So... uh, The feeling is that, well, I guess the history is that the Algonquins and some Irish monks uh, habitated the place for a while, but it's supposed to go back like 4,000 years, right? Uh, They haven't really dated it. Uh, They haven't? I think what what you're talking about is is, uh, America's Stonehenge, which has been dated back 4,000 years, and we felt that the same... uh, Inhabitants inhabited both places, so I, I think that's where the, okay. the connection is. So, so no carbon fourteen dating. No, no, okay. No, no. You can't carbon fourteen rock anyway. <laughs> okay, so this place is huge. It's like eighty six by ninety six by fifteen feet high. I mean, that covers quite a bit of area. So the layout is basically stone chambers on the ground, and then a tunnel system. Is it directly under the rocks? Through the rock. It's what? Through the rock. Through the rock. Are you saying bedrock or are you saying stones on top of the ground? Turtle, Turtle Mound is, is not one rock. It's, it's No, no. It's built. It's many rocks. Yep. Uh, it's it's the, shaped like a turtle, which is what they call a turtle mound. There's a, a passageway that goes uh, through the mound. 
there are several chambers uh, also from the outside, and there are uh, stairs to go up to the top of it as well. Okay, so where is the tunnel exactly? Underneath it? Right through it. Okay, yep. I didn't know if there was hollow ground underneath it, underneath the, uh, the chambers. There, there seems to be, but we don't know for sure. Okay. So, initially, um, Denise McCarthy thought that, or she had heard that there had been someone buried under there with a saber? Well, yeah, with with some type of a sword or a saber. Yeah, it was done by a group from uh, Canada that did uh, ground penetrating radar and did research on the mound. Okay. Then what culture would that have fallen under? Do they give any well, speculation? Algonquin is, is some of the beliefs, but it's it's not. Uh, the, that's the the like Mystery Hill. This the, mm-hmm. the mysteries. We they don't <laughs> sure. You know, Mystery Hill and our, our American Stonehenge is, is uh, been everything from Native Americans to uh, Irish monks to Phoenicians or whatever. That's that's part of the mystery. They don't, they can't find a clear connection and say. Uh, unequivocally, this is who were there, or this who inhabited at this certain time, or who that person was buried underneath the mound. Well, then, Maureen, you were saying that you felt like um, the spirits that were there were somehow connected to America's Stonehenge, right? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we were picking up, again, that same, and I think we even seen, like, the lights, right, Ron? There was a light out in the woods that you had seen when you were there investigating America's Stonehenge. Right. Stonehenge, so. And then we had a similar incident while we were investigating. Okay, two things. You said you saw the lights, but there's also the two red lights you saw, or red eyes right. or whatever. So were there two different instances of two different kinds of light? No, it's the the red eyes. Just the red uh, eyes. The red eyes. That's basically. Well, did you get an impression of what you thought that was? Was it like an entity or two red fireflies? <laughs> no, it wasn't fireflies. I didn't oh, think no. so. And it was yeah. a raining night too. Oh, really? Um, there, yeah, it was, um, was very terrible. It was it was like yeah, very dreary, cold, damp, and raining. The, your typical wonderful night to investigate. Okay, so you got the red eyes at both the Turtle Mound and America's Stonehenge, correct? Right. Okay. So, Maureen, any idea of what you think that was? Well, I know that when we were there, I was picking up on um, feeling more of like Native American. Um, but, but as I far as the red sure. eyes, I don't think you picked up anything on that at all. Yeah, I didn't, no. I didn't really pick up anything on that, but it was more the feeling when we were underneath in the, in the cavern and then we were up on top. Um, we had gone up the steps, and, and we went on top of the mound, um, and that's really when it hit me even stronger. Yeah, um, that's actually where you yeah. began to channel uh, Algonquin. I think you began speaking Algonquin, because when we uh, checked the recorder and, and uh, uh, searched the words, they came up as Algonquin words. That was amazing. Now, did you do research on the words as to their meaning? Uh, I did at the time. I can't recall what it is now. But it's probably something ceremonial, <laughs> uh, honoring oh, the gods or something. But they were uh, Algonquin that we did find. I can't recall what their actual meaning was, but it wasn't nothing like you know going to die or no, no, no. Your house is on fire or anything. No, just ceremonial and probably in praise of their god or whatever. That that is just amazing. Um, what were you feeling? Do you remember much of that, Maureen? 
you know, I when I started channeling, I just started feeling this. The energy was. I remember it growing really quickly because, and I, in a distance, I was hearing Ron. Not now, Maureen. Not now. So <laughs> Actually, we didn't give you a chance to too much of a chance. Right, right. Too much of a chance because I was trying to shut it down, and it everything seemed to happen at once. And then Dan, Dan and Ron just literally tackled me at the top of the mountain. Actually, it grabbed you and threw you on the underground. Yeah, yeah you're near the edge. You're yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> well, you picked the darndest places. that excuse for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, He's trying to get back at me for something, I guess. I don't know. I will say that once when I was out in Arizona, I was on a, a mesa. I started hearing drum beats. I was with another friend, and he heard them too. I haven't heard the chanting, but that, that stuff does happen, and it's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Jeez. Um, okay, so when you came to... Um, did you have much recollection, did you say? No, not a, I didn't on that one either. I mean, I just, it seemed to get very, I mean, it happened so fast, but I could feel the energy, and I was trying to reach out, and it just, and I don't remember what I was saying. Like I said, we really um, didn't give him much of a chance. We, and yeah. He didn't give me much of a chance. He just, yeah. Well, you did mention that you thought that, um... The, the spirits that were there were protectors of the land, or at least protectors of the mound. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, we had just run across some. In fact, I just read this in another source that sometimes the Native Americans decide not to go on to the light; that they remain earthbound for a period of time, so that they can stay here and be protectors of the land. And it's interesting uh-huh. that you came up with that. It's a conscious choice, and they can move on later to the light if they want to. But they want to stay here and help. And we got that reading, too, for like over at the James house, that there were some Native Americans still watching the land. And he even gave us some information on how to increase the the energy flow of the land so that it uh, stays protected. So oh, that kind cool. of that falls That's in with cool. the Turtle Mound, isn't it? And that was interesting. Um. Well, I could, there was no determination then who this person was under the ground. No, no. You didn't get a feeling on that. So actually all you wound up channeling was um, this one particular strong Native American. Yeah, I wound up channeling him. Um, but then when we were down underneath, I recall, I think Dan actually was watching with the thermal imager, and I had my um, crystal skull with me, and... I have to say, even working together, we're all together holding the crystal skull, and, and uh, I, the energy gets so intense at that moment. And I think, I can't recall exactly what uh, Thermal Dan had said, but I think he saw that there was actually either a lot of heat or a lot of energy that was going from the skull up Ron's arms. Or, yeah, that's um, pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, uh, but he the... could pick it up on the camera. Right, he could actually wow. really see it. So do you think it was sort of the skull was acting like an amplifier? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. And that's one of the reasons, um, I don't know, I was just, every time we investigate, there would be, you know, some crystals that I might feel that I should take with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that night, I just felt that I needed to bring, I have a, a beautiful crystal skull, and I brought it with me, and it just seemed to amplify what was going on in the chamber. Wow, that's amazing. So how long were you guys there? We didn't have a ton of time because uh, it was terrible. Yeah, because terrible <laughs> the, weather. The night was awful, and uh, yeah, so I, I would say probably maybe three hours maximum. 
Okay. Did either of you get the impression that maybe sacrifice had taken place there, animal or human? Uh, I don't think I remember that at all. How about you, Maureen? Yeah, I don't remember that. Now, I did it at uh, the Stonehenge. I remembered that. Yeah, I that's had that feeling. Yep. But it was a different one. I'm not at um, Turtle Mound. Okay, yeah, I did too. I got the feeling of human sacrifice at America's Stonehenge. But nothing at Turtle Mound. Yeah, you too. Okay, yeah, I, I think that um, stone is much more than a stone for creating lye soap or whatever. Uh, it's just too big, you know? And there oh, was yeah. Well, I was feeling that before we went around the turn, like you really that turn, and before we went around it, I kept saying, "Wow, I could feel this Native American, and there's like a sacrifice going on." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, sacrifice." And as you go around that little like the turn to get there, we see the big you table. See the stone. I'm like, oh well, there you go. Whoa, Maureen, did you get the impression of any um, robed people, robed women? Not that night, no. And, oh, you mean over at Stonehenge? Um, at Stonehenge. At Stonehenge? You know, to be honest, I don't remember, and I, I think the impression for me was that Native American that we picked up on, That because um, he actually, I mean, it was in our first book, but he actually went in the car, came in the car with us. Oh, jeez. So he was such a strong, strong spirit, strong entity, and he literally came with us, and we had such an experience over it that... I don't even know that I would have picked up on anything else. It was like he was very dominant. Dominant, yeah. Well, then, Ron, you had mentioned something about a demon uh, over at America's Stonehenge. Is that right? About what? Picking up a demon. A demon. A demon. Because uh, maybe I'm making the association with the red eyes at both locations. Oh, uh, we might have uh, made a reference to that uh, as well. That was... The red eyes at the original uh, Stonehenge was seen by Dennis, uh, who was a cameraman from uh, AT3, okay. that were with us uh, on the original investigation at the America Stonehenge. Actually, we were the first group to spend the, the night overnight on the main site up there, and so it was, that was intriguing. But um, I don't recall the demon. I know that uh, Brian the Monk was there, and, and he saw a visual of uh, a row of uh, what he called robed figures uh, going up the hill. So, I mean, that was kind of cool, too. Where did he see that? Turtle Mound? Or? At America Stonehead. Oh, really? Yeah, but part of the, part of the which he wasn't aware of, of course, was, was part of the uh, uh, theory is that uh, that site was settled by... Uh, um, Irish monks, monks uh, Columbo, I believe was his name. Was uh, could he get? I have terrible names, you know that. But uh, yeah, this this records of of uh, Caldi monks. Yeah, yeah. There's that theory too. Um, okay, how about if we move on to um, your investigation when you went to Georgia to sign the book, the agreement with the brook? Mm-hmm. You that was a really full weekend. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was. <laughs> wow. You crammed in so much. Um, what amazed me, though, was, well, you were looking for Nathaniel Beauregard. Did you ever find him, Ron? In, in uh, Georgia? Yeah. No, we did not. Oh. Did you ever find so his grave anywhere? A bunch or? of bull that he was giving us, which he's done before, so it was not like a 
Okay. Surprise to me. Okay. Well, then, it was really nice when the cops came along, but I think it was more than they just wanted to accompany you. I think they wanted information. And um, you did You did an incredible job. You, I think you really blew their socks off, Maureen. Oh, uh, they, you know, it was, well, we weren't sure at first, and then they had us, you know, walk over to that the graves um, and see what we picked up. Um, and, you know, we were try- he was trying to find out about those that got, you know, what had happened to the police officers that had lost their lives. Um, right. And if I recall one of them, I felt the burning in my stomach. Yes. Um, and, you know, when he said, yeah, he was shot and that's what you get, you know, um, that would be the sensation that it would feel like you're burning, you know, when you're shot. Right. Um, and so that was the, the uh, officer that when we were done, we walked back, you know, after we left the grave sites. You know, he came, pulled us aside, and he said, I'm really not sure. I'm intrigued, and I'm not sure what you're doing, but I have this case I'm working on, and do you think that we, you know, I can come tomorrow to, to uh, talk with you guys about it and see if he can help us out? So that, you know, he ended up coming to our agent's house in the morning, and um, we actually worked on a case with him upstairs. The way you did it, though, was really interesting. Um, you know, looking at the photographs and then dousing the photographs and choosing one and then doing the blind test with the names. And what she did was write names of people on papers, suspects as well as uh, fake names, and then um, ripped it up individually and folded the paper so that she couldn't mm-hmm. see the names on it. And then she doused the pieces of paper and came up with the suspect that was the, the, the major suspect, I should say, the prime suspect. That blew my mind. Right. And I got to tell you, I, that you know, it's interesting because I doused for years and I kept thinking, it, I actually did that for me, because I kept saying, I, I, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Like, if I'm dowsing, I don't want to douse and use my own, you know, what I, my beliefs in it. So I wanted to make sure that I was distant from whatever I picked up, that I was dowsing and it was as accurate as possible. So by doing the blind dowsing. Right. Um, because I, we know that. We know that you can manipulate the, the yeah. pendulum. Uh, you can influence it, yeah, by your because you want a certain outcome to yeah, be bad. Yeah. You have to be mm. careful with what you're asking, and and so this was a way for me to kind of step away from it, be and objective, try to douse and get the reading. Yeah, because you know that's a big responsibility to blame someone that might be innocent. You know that, that's that right. weighs heavy on your mind. Yeah. And I was wondering, Maureen, do you do you do work at all with other police departments, or was that just like a one time? Yes, we've done that. I mean, I actually have done it. My daughter is a police officer, and I have actually huh. helped her out. Um, she used to work for a detective, and I used to help her. You know, the detective out through her. Oh. Um, but Ron and I had actually. Um, we had done a talk one night with our with the team, and we were approached by a detective um, at one point, and Ron and I were working with them on a cold case. Oh, excellent. So it was a really old case? Yeah, yeah. I think it was like 30 years old or something wow. like that. Yeah, it, there was Homeland Security was involved at the time. There, there was divers. There was a whole, yeah. whole spiel of things going on at that time. Did you have any good results, or is it still open? It still is open. They don't. We believe what we have, but we don't have the evidence to do anything. At least the last week we heard, which has been a has been a while, actually. Wow, that's amazing. 
Boy, with that, that was just one heck of a trip. I found that really an interesting chapter, too. Um, okay, so here's a question for both of you. What would be one of your most favorite investigations? Hmm, there's so many. <laughs> oh, anywhere. Pick one. I'd love to hear it. Based on experience and the information that you were given, based on the knowledge that you gained from the investigation. I think one of my favorite would come, actually comes from the first book, and that, of course, would be uh, The House That Went to Pot. Oh, that's uh, funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, where we actually uh, uh, ran to a couple of uh, spirit children, and uh, I ended up playing tag with them. Uh, Did you? They eventually uh, led us to... Uh, Oh, I remember that we we had made contact. Maureen had made contact with it, and she got the name of the girl. and And for some reason, I had come up with the name of uh, uh, the boy. And uh, we ended up going to the woods in the middle of the night, following them. Uh, and uh, we found this graveyard out in the, the woods. It was a small family plot, and their names were on it. Oh my gosh, I, that is just unreal. Was it um, Michael and? Was it Michael? Was the boy? I uh, can't recall. I think it was. I think it was actually. Yeah, Michael sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, and I can't remember the the name the of the girl. girl. No, I can't. Yeah, I can't. And I just read it a little while ago too. Um, so, how were you following them? Was it you, Maureen, or was it with the the dowsing and we, no, asking what direction? Hmm. Yeah, he was using the EMF. I mean, we were communicating with them, and then oh. actually Ron was validating, you know, the fact that they were running, because I'm like, they're running around the mirror, and they're, they're <laughs> in, around the house, and everywhere Ron went with the EMF meter, it was just lighting up constant. Okay, um, so any... Red and rapidly. Any idea what they died from? Oh, God, that was a long time ago. I, can't I know. Well. Do you remember? No, I don't. I don't remember. It's awful. Oh, that's no, really sad. Were they the only two there, or was it a family plot? No, it was a family it plot. Was yeah, I think it was illness. Okay, but um, that was a that was a yeah that was a while ago, like TB or something like that. There, yeah, like two spirits there actually. So there were right. quite a few. Did you say, Ron? No, those are the only two spirits oh. there. But there were were other graves there. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right, then the next one is, how about the most frightening, excluding the Pugwudgie? <laughs> how about oh, the, the most... one you wish you'd never done. Yeah, yeah. Is there I, one like that? Absolutely. No, no. Really? I had a frightening investigation, never wished I hadn't done it. So. Well, for me, there was one that I would have preferred not to have, as soon as we got out of the car, and that was the one that was in our first book. It was in uh, New Hampshire. And um, I have to say, getting the whole place just felt very dark and, uh, I don't know. What kind of a place? The woods, a house? What was it? Well, the whole place, honestly, the whole land. Like, because usually you go in the house and you're feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If it's the spirits in the house and antagonizing or whatever's going on. But we got to this location, and as soon as we put, I put my foot out on the pavement, I just wanted to get back in the car. And oh, leave. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. And and as it turned, because, you know what, at that time, um, the spirit that came through was so oppressive, so 
just angry, and you know, it was hard. I was having a difficult time to You're catch my breath. Angry. No, but it was this one. It was it was really bad. I mean, this is know, one where they they left the uh, the ashes when the person bought the house. The the previous owners. Um, I don't know if he was the owner or a relative of the owner's ashes were left in the house. Oh, jeez. Um, it, it was just a very strange scenario, right? And so these yeah. people decided they were going to take the ashes. Nobody wanted them. They didn't know who to give them to, so they went and put them in this little stream in the woods um, by these trees. But, you know, they also were doing, she was doing a lot of different uh, work with, like, spell casting or, and uh. I have nothing against Wiccan or... But I don't know what she was doing, and she started having a lot of um, activity that she wasn't happy with, let's say, in her house and in her property. Wasn't there some kind of um, um, stories about people, like, being driven off the road or something? Is that the area there was something going on with the road? Uh, Accidents or something? There were reports yeah, of either accidents. I don't know about that. Yeah. No, I no, I don't know. Yep. Okay. This is actually isn't that the one one we went for the first time to to go there and check it out? Is that the place we got the um, the EVP about the Ghostbusters or no? No, you weren't there for that one. No, but that's where you got. Is that where you got it? That's what I was asking. Uh. Because I know you did a pre-check at the place, and um, and you picked that up. That that we got that when we were setting up. Yes, when you were setting up, right? <laughs> That's all I can tell you. I, I can't recall what it was there. Okay, have you guys, other than sensing, have you seen anything? Um, I think. I've, you know, I've seen, there's times where I have seen um, a spirit or an entity. In fact, in, when we went to uh, Gettysburg, I actually saw a doppelganger that, believe it or not, was Ron. Or really? Was Ron. Oh, that's scary. You mean there's two of them? Exactly. <laughs> oh. Oh, Maureen, you've got to explain uh, that, well, what you uh, saw we, in the situation. We had, um, we stayed at this little farmhouse when we were there investigating, um, and we actually, we went out one night to go investigate the, these old trains, right, the train station. And uh, when we got back, Ron had all, you know, a big, huge bag of all the EVPs, I mean, um, the EMF meters and recorders and everything and flashlights. And, and we were just kind of getting into the house, and I wasn't familiar so much with the layout of it. And I'm looking at the house, and what it was, it was a dining room that went off to the kitchen in the back. And then to the right was like a sitting room with some stairs. But I didn't realize that, you know, I saw Ron go straight ahead, like he went into through the, through the dining room, through the kitchen. And then all of a sudden I turned to my right where the sitting room was, and he's standing there looking through a bag of uh, all his, you know, Equipment. toys, let's say, electronics. And he's just looking at me, this odd look, and I'm Hearing, and I'm thinking, wow, I didn't realize that it, it was a circle. I thought that you would go through the kitchen and, to the, you know, from the dining room to the kitchen and kind of make your way to the sitting room like it was a big circle. Um, and so I, I looked to my right, and I walked in, and the next thing I know, he was gone, and I'm looking for the opening to get into the kitchen, and there was none other than what I walked through. So I, I 
took me a minute to realize, and then Ron came walking in. I'm like, oh, I just saw a doppelganger, and they came here, and it was you. Uh, or they tried to be you. It was very. Uh, it was a really interesting moment because I've I've seen it before a doppelganger, but I never saw one that was Ron. So that is amazing. Well, it sounds seems to me that a spirit wants to imitate a person uh, physically, but also I think that they can imitate voices as well. Have you feel that you've been duped like that, Maureen? Um. And we've hit, we've had some interesting experiences. Actually, that's pretty common. Is yeah. it? Yeah, because yeah, yeah it's, there's so many reports of people in their houses. Of their houses, they believe they have ghosts. And one of the things they believe they ghosts is they'll hear somebody else call their name. And uh, sometimes it's the same person that's in the house. Sometimes it'll be a, a loved one that's deceased, or sometimes it's uh, you know a voice of a stranger. But a lot of times they are mimic and. Uh, Someone, yeah. Okay. Well, darn, we're at the end of the show, so... On that note, uh, we are out of time. (laughs) Okay, then. Wow, it went by fast, guys. It does. Good, good. It does. Uh, I want to tell people where they can uh, buy the book, uh, give out any websites you want to give out, anything like that. Uh, Get the book anywhere, any Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, uh, Circles of Wisdom carries it, uh, Goodreads carries it, Traders carries it, Deadwicks carries it, uh, it's a lot of places. But anyways, uh, anyghostproject.com is our website, anyghostproject.com. Wonderful. Okay, very good. All right, uh, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Ron, Maureen. Thank you both. It's uh, been a pleasure. I'll probably see you at the next seance, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last one was very interesting. So I heard. <laughs> Okay, best we go. Thank you so much, both of you. Have a Thank good you. evening. Have a great night. Okay, okay. bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. All right. Hey, we've run out of time. I know. Yep. So. Spirit Radio, WSCA, LP, 106.1 FM. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great evening. You have been listening to Spirit Radio, the Paranormal Experience, with your hosts, Willie Hassel and Lynn Nickerson, on the Paranormal UK Radio Network. In this one of many possible worlds All for the best Or something's our tale